Hello, friends. Isn't that how uh, Jim Nance always starts the Masters week? Hello, folks, and welcome to Vikings Territory Breakdown with myself, Joe Oberly from VikingsTerritory.com and PurplePTSD.com and Mark Craig from the Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. Welcome, Mark. Welcome, everybody. It is Masters week, but before that happens, we got to talk about the Vikings, and the Vikings had another week of free agency and with a couple notable pickups. Uh, first one, well, you know, I, I, I got to say, Mark, you know, it's two weeks in a row. I, I thought, you know, the Vikings should grab Zadarius Smith. I know you know I was going to say this. And sure enough, right after we got off the air, they did. And then I said they should resign Patrick Peterson. And we got off the air, and sure enough, they did. I got to figure out what I want to say this week so they can grab him next week. But anyway, Patrick Peterson uh, cornerback extraordinaire has returned to the Vikings, which was, you know, kind of surprising. I mean, he was out there for a while, and I was thinking the longer he stayed out there, the better chance maybe the Vikings had of getting him because no one else was grabbing him. But it sounded like he had interest from several teams, and including the Buffalo Bills, where, you know, there's a connection there between Minnesota and Buffalo these days that doesn't stop. Um, yeah, but and I think maybe even the Chiefs, but uh, he came back to Minnesota, which is kind of interesting because he first came for for Zimmer, and now he's back here for Ed Donatel and the crew. What do you think of that pickup, Mark? So first of all, you, you lead off imitating Jim Nance, and now you're imitating Tony Romo. So Viking can Vikings territory afford Joe Oberly, who's got both Jim Nance and Tony Romo qualities? Now you're talking. Um, you- yeah. I mean, yeah, I figured that, you know, he wasn't going to go in the first wave, the second wave, and I don't know what wave we're up to or what wave was last Tuesday. Um, but, yeah, the longer he was out, uh, you know, it looked like more and more like he would end up back here. Um, yeah, I, I was surprised that it happened as quick as it did because he took a 50% pay cut from last year. The poor guy's got to get by on $4 million a year this year. Uh, he got $8 million last year, played pretty well. So he realizes where he's at in his career. Um, rather than wait and play it out and uh, sign in June or whatever, he's he's on board now, and I, it's a you know it's it's a good it's a good signing because you know he's uh, when you get to know him or you know just get a sense about him uh, after having done this for a million years, um, we don't really we don't know the players as well as we'd like to, uh, especially now since we don't go in the locker rooms and stuff. But the sense about this guy, he's a pro's pro. He's gonna be. You know, there, sometimes this stuff is overrated about the, being a locker room guy and 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 helping the younger players. But I think in this case, it, it's it's a there's a value there to that. Not only can the guy still play, and he takes care of himself, but he also can be a leader for some of these younger guys. And, they, and they clearly, I think they'll still take a corner in the first round. But uh, if if they do, it, it's it's a good thing because they ha- he'll be learning from one of the best. So. Um, yeah, that's a, it's a great, it's a really good signing. And the fact that they got him for a, you know, got him on the cheap, uh, relatively cheap, uh, and, uh, he can help out in the locker room, but he can help tutor younger players. Well, so yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you know, he is older. He is up there. He really enjoyed, he said he came here last year to come to Zimmer with play with Zimmer. Well, Zimmer's gone. He comes back. So what's this guy chasing, Mark? What you know? I mean, if if the Bills are interested, they're on the cusp. Um, if he's chasing a championship, that's the guy team I'd go play for, or even the Chiefs in the AFC. What you know, coming back to the Vikings, who you know, while they're on a competitive rebuild, but you know, uh, is is he? He's not just after four million dollars, isn't he? And doesn't he want a ring? Well, I mean, 
we don't know how serious. I mean, I've never talked to a guy who didn't have interest from from another team. I'm not saying he's lying, but yeah. we don't know what we don't know that there was an offer. We don't know that it was the same. It, that it was, it probably was uh, obviously it would be less than four million dollars if there was an offer. Um, but everybody who's ever signed has always said they're signing. Oh, I'm, I'm, I want to come play with Zim. Well, when Zim's gone, then it's hey, you know, I want to play for fill in the blank. They're playing because they love football. This is his best chance or his, his best situation uh, financially um, and everything. I mean, if you're just chasing a ring, does he want to chase a ring and just sit on the bench somewhere? Um, I just feel that this is his it's clearly his best offer. Uh, I don't know how serious or if there were any other offers. So, yeah. uh, and, and he, no one knows that but him and his people. So, uh, this is this is clearly his best opportunity for him at this point in his career. Well, you know, I, I mentioned it last week, and I'm mentioning it again that I mentioned it last week. So if you get confused by that, you know, I mean, maybe that is Tony Romo-esque. I don't know. But I, that, I, I wanted him to come back. You know, I wasn't predicting he was coming back. I wanted him to come back. And for a lot of the reasons you said, I mean, they're, they're going to have to have a younger uh, cornerback room. You know, it, 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 it is already, and, and they're probably, you know, like you were saying, going to draft a cornerback. And it's great to have some uh, – Locker room presence, great to have some experience to just tutor those guys. I know Zimmer always uh, uh, liked having players, especially in the cornerback room, that, that could do that. Uh, Terrence Newman was his his old guard for a while, and he even got him to be a coach. You know, I mean, it, I, I think that's a, a, a great thing to have uh, with a lot of young players. And um, I know there's not a question here, but I'm going to ask you, I, you know, given that they signed him, brought him back, and you couple them with all the other things that the Vikings have done on, on the defensive side of the ball so far. They they brought in Zedarius Smith. They brought in uh, signed uh, Harrison Phillips from the Bills, uh, nose tackle. They've got linebacker Jordan Hicks. I think he came from the Rams. And the Chan, cornerbacks Chandon Sullivan and quarterback Nate Hairston uh, were signed. Plus they brought back Ty Smith. I Ty I, I can't remember his last name. Smith, right. yeah. Yeah, from the practice squad. Now they got Peterson. They brought back uh, Daniil Hunter. What do you think of this uh, this uh, defensive rebuild? Are you as excited about it as maybe I am? I, I so far I'm. I, I think they're doing a lot in a short amount of time with a limited uh, cap number. That you know. So it's, uh, to me, I'm. Uh, I think it's it's got to be a it's got to be a net positive when you're all said and done. Well, yeah, this is why, you know, on the first wave when Tony Romo Oberly was complaining about they weren't doing anything on Tony day Roberly. one. Tony Roberly. Tony, Tony Oberly was complaining about, oh, my God, what are we, they're not doing anything. They're not doing anything. It's like, hey, you know, there's not a game on March uh, 20th. So gotta <laughs> breathe, breathe, Tony. And uh, so, yeah, they're filling in some holes. They got the draft, and then they'll fill in more holes after the draft. Uh, this is probably Zimmer sitting somewhere on his ranch saying, hey, in 2020, I sure would have liked to have had, you know, I, I know they're going to have young corners that are going to be playing, but it would have been nice if, for Zimmer to have Patrick Peterson in addition to some young corners. What happened to Zimmer after 2019, his last playoff uh, uh, season, was they wiped the deck clean, and and he had nothing and it, except for two rookies. He started those two rookies the whole year, and the third guy wasn't experienced either. So. Yeah, this is uh, if you want to see um, that whether Peterson's a good sign, you probably look back 2020 when it was it was just a it was like kindergartners out there trying to play against Aaron Rodgers twice a year, and 
and it was a disaster. And then they lost their pass rush that year, and it was even more of a disaster. Um, but yeah, it's uh, what they're doing with the money that they had. It's uh, and if you know, obviously there's a there's injury uh, risks here. Uh, if if guys stay healthy, it's uh, yeah, they're they're doing uh, they're doing about as as well as uh, I think they they can given some of the you know restrictions they had. Yeah, I've been sufficiently chastened. I will not talk about myself on this podcast again until the next time I do. Okay, does that work? Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, I mean, there's always going to be injury risks. I mean, you can, you know, in, in a uh, personnel regime, can 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 lean on that. You're going to have injuries no matter what. It could be somebody else. There are risks with the Neil Hunter and Zedaria Smith because they're coming off them. I personally feel that Hunter should be ready to go. You know, he's two years removed from that neck injury. And uh, uh, last year he had the thing was the pectoral that he had. And, you know, players have come back from that. So uh, he should be good. Zadarius Smith is, is a question mark. We don't know where he's at yet. He did come back and play in the playoffs at the end of the season last year. But I'm, you know, crossing my fingers there. Uh, if, you know, if, if they do get injured, then, you know, the people are going to come out and roast him for, for you know, uh, buying damaged goods, but you know, I, I think it's I think it's uh, a great way for a, a, a young uh, staff to try to fill things out. You know, they they don't have a lot of room. They don't have a lot of uh, options with the salary cap, and and they're 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 signing some decent names. And you know, I, so you put it all together. I'm I'm, I'm hoping it will go well. They're going to have to do some some good drafting, as we'll talk about uh, in a later segment. But uh, you know. Um, it's a, it's a step forward, and I, I, and I don't know if they're done yet. You know, maybe there's more to do. Maybe it's just depth, but you know, they don't have a hell of a lot of money left. But uh, so far, so good for me with uh, well, Quasi yeah. and, uh, KOC. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, we we haven't gotten to the draft yet, so you um, and it's a it's a process that takes all the way through the off season to, to fill holes. Right, you know, right now, you know, who's going to be that safety next to? Uh, Next to Harrison Smith, I mean, is is uh, is Bynum ready? Uh, Bynum was a promising player, um, but you know, do they maybe they they take a safety in uh, somewhere in, in the draft? It's a starting caliber player. The defensive line, I feel like, is a is a situation that has kind of been overlooked. Um, I know they filled the linebackers, the edge rushers. We got, but we got to be thinking in this three four mentality now. I know they say they're going to do four, three, three, four, they're going to, you know, but basically their, their base is going to be a three, four. So you got those, you know, those uh, tackle slash ends, you know, who, who are going to be those guys? Is Harrison Phillips your, your nose tackle or is Dalvin Tomlinson your, your nose tackle is, is, um, and if Harrison Phillips is your nose tackle, who are those uh, tackle slash ends? Is it Armin Watts is right now would be, would be a starter, I believe. I like Armin Watts, but is Armin Watts a 17-game starter? I, you know, I don't know. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson, I, I wasn't crazy about him last year. Does he fit this defense? So, you know, there's, uh, you know, there could be maybe even that first round, there could be one of these tackle, you know, three, four type tackle bodies that that they take at the 12th position as opposed to a cornerback. I mean, uh, typically, whenever we all think they're going to take one, they take some, something else happens. It's usually how it goes. Um, but they have, you know, will the twelfth pick be as good as Christian Ponder in two thousand eleven? They've had. I've, I read this on Vikings.com. They've had that. They've had that pick twice, I believe. One was Christian Ponder. The other was uh, Chuck Foreman. You talk about the two extremes. 
Um, so, so if they could hit somewhere in the in the middle, leaning toward uh, toward uh, toward sure. Chuck, then uh, you know that they'll they'll be doing pretty good. Mark, you bring up a good point. You know, we're talking about the three four. Uh, what in your experience? I don't know. I mean, watching uh, teams all these years, Vikings are going from a four three to you know, like you said, three four four three. But you know, basically, is that I mean, it's going to be a new guy running the system. It's not going to be uh, Zimmer making this transition. This is going to be a new guy's system, and it's going to, you know, you would think it's going to take a while to adjust. I mean, does Daniil Hunter become as effective as he was in this kind of setup? You know, uh, I, I don't know that much about the 3-4 because I've been watching a 4-3 my entire life in Minnesota. Uh, but you know how big a how big a deal is that, and can some of these old dogs like you mentioned Harrison Smith? He's not getting that much younger. I don't know if it, he, he was made to excel in Zimmer's uh, uh, defense. You know, I mean, he got to really do a lot of freelancing and do what he wants, and he and he's made himself a, a an All Pro as a result. But you know, how does how does all that that scheme change for this group, and can can they make? Uh, a pretty quick adjustment and get it going so that uh, we'll see some see something from them this year. I mean, I think it changes a lot. Uh, you had to have watched, uh, I think it was the 80s. Uh, the, I think the Vikings in the eight, late 80s or 90s were, uh, they were 3-4. Uh, so maybe, maybe, you, maybe you had blacked out that decade. I did. Um, it was before I was uh, uh, right, scheming out 3-4s and 4-3s on my – Maybe uh, Mankato Brewery was serving some really – they were – like before their time, and they were like serving some fourteen point oh's back, back in the eighties. Back in the eighties, uh, they were serving something in Mankato, but I'm not sure it was uh, Mankato beer. But no, I think a, a guy like Harrison Harrison Smith is still young enough. He's still got enough gas in the tank that he's going to fit kind of what you want to play. I mean, he was he these guys all knew Zimmer's Zimmer's defense, like you know, as well as any as, the, as Zimmer knew it. So. Um, yeah, it's going to take some adjustments, but they're you know they got these they got this off season you know to put this in. Um, to me, it's you know looking at Donatello. He's a, he's a question mark. I mean, he's been around forever. He's sixty five years old, just like Zimmer. Um, I don't think he's called defenses since he was with the Packers because uh, he was defensive coordinator of the Packers and there was a long stretch of as a defensive backs coach, and then he was under uh, Fangio uh, in Denver, and uh, Vic called the defenses. So you know he's got to get back into the the swing of how to, you know, to call defenses. And so it's going to be real interesting. They got the talent, uh, like Daniil, I would guess Daniil would be more of your, you know, would be more of your rush, but you can't just, can't just pigeonhole a guy into a certain role. Like Daniil will have to cover it. I, you know, but Daniil has that, that ability to, I'm not saying he's going to be a Patrick Peterson covering, but I think uh, uh, O'Connell might've mentioned this in one of his interviews just having the, the length and the body kind of in the passing lanes is going to be uh, a challenge for quarterbacks, but because you're also going to be looking for, gonna be, they might probably be setting defenses to, to look at him as a, as a, as a rusher and he'll drop into coverage. So yeah, I think there's a lot of things that they can do. Um, you know, that, that what goes overlooked is that defense in front, those three guys up front, you need, you need some, they don't get a lot of stats. They don't get a lot of notice, but those guys are important. Uh, they're not, maybe not as, not like a 4 3 where they're keeping everybody off of Kendrick so he can fly all over the place. But, you know, those guys are important. They got to get the right people up there, too. 
you know, you, you bring up the point about Ed Donatella calling plays. How much – what do you think that uh, – I mean, they have Mike Patin. Is that how you say his last name? Patton Patin? I don't know. Patton. Patton, yeah. Well, he, he was gone from Cleveland so fast. I don't know if we ever if we got to uh, pronounce his name in the short, short time he was there. Is uh, How much is he going to be calling plays? Is he going to be more just putting the defensive game plan together, helping Ed Donatella, and then Ed Donatella will probably be calling the plays on that on any given Sunday? Or how's that working? Is that a good uh, safety blanket for Ed to have since he doesn't have a lot of experience calling plays? Well, yeah, I, I think you know Petten is there as you know it's another eyes on the on the on the ball, and that's good for O'Connell to, to bring him in. I think get the impression he's more of like a uh, O'Connell really likes him as a game manager. He's got some sort of fancy master of situations, something or other. Uh, title uh, where he's going to he's a good game manager that O'Connell's going to lean on, but sure he it's a similar you know they all there's not good you know they're all rowing the boat the same way. I know it's uh, we have to pay uh, Gophers anything for that or uh, they're they're all the all the oars are going the right way on that defense. So it's uh, you know it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun you know it'll be interesting to see how they take all the you know watching Kendricks in a in a three four mm-hmm. watching Daniel in a three four. Uh, will be uh, very interesting to watch. I, uh, I I'm as excited as heck to see Kendricks in a three four. And just to see, I mean, he does so much on the field in his position as is that um, I don't see him having any any problem with the transition. Uh, you know, I, we're, we're talking about all these guys they're bringing in. They're, they they've lost a few people this year too. And you know, Anthony Barr hasn't landed anywhere yet. You think he's sitting around there for the Vikings to still uh, still grab up? Sure, they couldn't afford it. No, no. I mean, it's like I've said a uh, hundred times on that. You know, Anthony served his purpose. Anthony, uh, he got, you know, uh, he's older. He's I think he's, he's thirty now, and and had had some you know, the knee problems where he couldn't he couldn't show up every week. He missed last you know two two years ago. He missed all but two games. Um, you know, they they filled in around that that spot. He's not a you don't bring Anthony Barr in for depth. Uh, so no, that that ship sailed, and O'Connell said as or Quasi uh, said as much yeah. in a kinder way, you know. Well, all right. To recap, recap this segment, we've got Joe as bullish on the Vikings defense, and for Mark, it's all question marks. We will see. So I guess that's how, how we'll recap that. Um, we'll probably right back to break down some more of the Vikings uh, free agency wave, whatever. And uh, we'll talk about the offense, what they're doing on the offensive line right now. Come on back to vikingsterritory.com breakdown. Welcome back to Vikings Vikings Territory Breakdown uh, with Mark Craig and myself. Uh, Mark, uh, in addition to all the the, the uh, movements on the defense and the rebuilding there, competitive rebuilding, that's what we're supposed to call it, on defense, uh, they have, they've made a few additions on the offensive line. It, you know, slowly by slowly, week by week, they've, they've grabbed somebody new. The first one was a guard center, Austin Schlotman. And then the next week was uh, the offensive lineman, Jesse, Jesse Davis. And just this past week, they picked up a, a guard, Chris Reed. And, you know, just looking at the reaction you've seen around Vikings Twitterverse and 
everywhere else, uh, it sounds like the Vikings have gotten better as they've gone forward with these offensive linemen picks. Everybody's pretty excited about Chris Reed. I think he was in uh, Indianapolis or in Miami. I, I guess Miami. No, one of them was. Uh, yes, with the Colts. Yeah, it's with the Colts. Uh, you know. Yeah, and uh, he played. He played a number of games and did really well. And so, you know. It's going to be a heck of a competition over on the right guard, but that's—I mean—I think that's that's the position with the biggest question mark. Uh, so it, it's nice to see the Vikings dressing it in some way in free agency, so that uh, uh, when it comes around to the draft, they don't have to take one so highly. But uh, um, Mark, what'd you think of the pickup of Chris Reed and uh, the offensive line in general going forward? Yeah, I mean, I, you know. They're going to make that competition at right guard. They're, you know, right now you got, I mean, that Jesse Davis that they got from from the uh, the Dolphins. He's got seventy two starts. He's the most you know veteran of that group. Has the most experience. I think he's the starter there. That it's his job to lose. You know, Chris Reed comes in. Uh, I think he's got like four hundred career snaps at at right guard, but like over eighteen hundred at left guard. You know. He, he doesn't he probably doesn't win the right guard job but he ends up being a ba- valuable backup to Cleveland on the left side who can all and he can also play the right side and however the numbers fall out um you know Schlotman is uh, of the of all the people they brought in he, he doesn't have a whole lot of experience at center but he's played center uh, I think he started a game last year uh, had 42 snaps in a game so you know, I, I look at this as, you know, it's, it's, they brought in, uh, again, they couldn't go the first wave. They couldn't take the top. You know, they couldn't, like, dump all their money and get the, like, the Jaguars were doing and get the best at every position or the perceived best at every position. So they had to kind of piece it together within their financial, you know, constraints. So they, they've got some guys there to compete. And they also, you know, Wyatt Davis, I'm sure they're not just going to throw him away. He's a third-round pick. But the last regime, all, you know, tried – him at center uh, during this in practice during the season or early in the year, so you know, I, and O'Connell's kind of come out and basically said the four four spots are locked up and you know right guards and open competition. They have all these guys. Well, there's so many of them that I wonder, and they're versatile guys that can play center. Yeah, you know, I I question whether uh, whether Bradbury is as locked in as O'Connell is saying he is. Yeah, that, that's a. Uh, a good good question. I mean, if there's plenty of people out there would like to see uh, Garrett Bradbury down the road, um, you you intimated to me is that a possible trade bait since he was a former number one. Uh, um, you know, I guess I'm I'm I like the competition. I, I like all these these people or players in there with with uh, position versatility, so that that uh, you know you can assemble get the best players on the line, and eventually they can figure out how to play together. Um, do you, uh, do you see these guys that they're bringing in? Do they fit that mold that the last regime was trying to create with their, you know, the fast, quick, you know, uh, guards or linemen blasting out and getting out on and, and running and not being the big, the big bulldozers that, uh, maybe some teams have, have, do you see these guys to fit that mold and are we going to have more of the same or is, is it slightly morphing into something new there on the offensive line? Well, it, you know, last year the, when Dennison left, they kind of and they went with the new offensive line. You know, Dennison wouldn't get the shot, and he became a consultant, but he never really had any contact with the team. Uh, the offensive line, I think there was a, one of the one of the many, many fractures. I think at the end for the the 
uh, Zimmer and Spielman was how you know Spielman was drafting the offensive lineman for that what you just got done explaining, and then there was more of this last year. There was more of the power type uh, you know play that we saw on the offensive line and, and, and different things. And um, where I know that you know what Spielman thought he was drafted for and what was being used, you know there was some uh, disconnect there. So. Um, so yeah, just like a lot of regimes, when they reach the end, there's you, know, you can see you can do all the kumbaya you want at your opening press conferences, but unless you're standing on the podium winning a Super Bowl, uh, and it ends uh, another way, you know, with failure, being fired, there's always these disconnects that happen at the end. So you know, yeah, like like, like this Wyatt Davis fit what they want to do. Uh, I think with Dalvin Cook. Um, you know, they're probably going to play a similar, you know, there's going to be some zone based, but I think you got to be more versatile. I mean, the, when the one thing when the Browns were playing well, they made a playoffs two years ago and then they, they were playing well early last year when they came in, we were talking about the way the Vikings want to play. And then the, the Browns offensive line and how they built their offensive line. It was very, uh, these guys were multiple skills. They could do, you know, different, they could do different approaches. They weren't like pigeonholed into a, a zone type blocker or this, those are the guys, you know. Those are the those are hard those are hard guys to find that can do it all. But those are the ones that give defenses the most headaches. Is the ones that can do all this different stuff. You can't be you can't just block a certain way and expect it to work all the time. So um, it'd be that's one thing that's gonna be fascinating to watch. I don't know if they're gonna be drafting a whole lot of offensive linemen, and maybe they will. Uh, but they've gone out and they filled holes in free agency, or they've gotten bodies for competition. Um, but when they start getting to where they do draft offensive line, it'll be interesting to see if they'll have more consistent success than what, uh, what Spielman had, you know, I know Spielman got O'Neal and, uh, you know, Darisaw, I like Dar, I love Darisaw. Well, but what Dar- the knock on Darisaw is it is not durable. So he missed all the preseason. He missed all of training camp. He uh, missed some games during the year. Uh, he's a, he's a fantastic player, but is he durable enough that he'll, he has to prove that. That's you know that's as important. Did we um, see enough of him, Mark? Did you see enough that to to really say that that you think he is when on the field? Oh, he's lights out. I think when he's healthy, when he's healthy, he's playing. He's he, I I feel he he could be as good as any left left tackle in the league. Wow. Um, he's just he's he's got the power. He's he's the proportion. Uh, his uh, footwork, his his hands. I mean, he's he's got everything you need it's just except he's you know the knock on him is it will he be durable enough well you know that's great to hear because i you know i didn't really get a good good feel for him he came in you know like several games into the season last year because of injury as you mentioned and but you know i think he was decent the rest of the way you didn't hear a lot about him so that's why it's a good thing we know what we have in the right tackle in brian o'neill and we know now that we're having a huge competition at right guard um, I like Ezra Cleveland at left guard. Are you satisfied with him? Yeah, I, I think he'll be. You know, he was he was brought in to be the the next left tackle, um, and they thought you know the last regime thought enough of him to possibly be that. But I think guard is his spot. He's got tackle experience. Um, so so yeah, I I like him as a left guard, and uh, I think they got three spots again. If Darisol can stay healthy. There's three spots there. That's that's more than they had for a long time. So so when do we stop uh, listening to uh, protection as the problem? That's uh, 
plaguing the Vikings and quarterback Chris uh, Kirk Cousins. When they when the uh, Green Bay Packers, who's uh, the, the big tackle from the Packers when he quits throwing Mason Cole into Kirk Cousins? Uh, I mean, there was a couple of games. That, yes, there was a, that. That they were the first snap of that. I think it was the Packers game when I, I think Cole started and he got stood up and pitched back into into Cousins. That was like whoa, you know. That's the kind of you, you need. They need a little more uh, beef at center. I think a little bigger body. That's uh, uh, you know, like Bradbury's not a big guy. Uh, Mason Cole's not a big guy. Um, that position got manhandled uh, a, little, a little bit over the years recently here. So you know that they need you know Kirk Cousins. You know, unlike like like say an Aaron Rodgers, who's not being paid as much on the cap as Kirk Cousins is this year. He will he will cover up, you know, holes on your offensive line. Kirk exposes the holes on your offensive line. That's just the way it is. That's just if you give Kirk the protection, Kirk's going to find his guy. He's going to he's going to uh, have the accuracy. He's got the arm strength to get it anywhere on the field. But it's got it's all got to fit for him. And there's no there's not a lot of ad libbing. There's not there's not the ability to to do it whenever you don't have all the help around you. And uh, whereas these other guys, uh, now not very many of them, granted, can do it whenever things are breaking down. Yeah. Well, so, so we got two tackles that are good. Uh, I like as a Cleveland, um, you mentioned, do you, do you think anybody the Vikings brought in? And I think you made a note of it that Wyatt Davis uh, played some center in his time. Do you think there's anybody else that can, like Schlotman, who is a guard center, can can push Garrett Bradbury to to be even better. I you know I, I know KLC they, didn't they say that they they got him figured out. They know how to get the best out of him out of Bradbury. I mean, what what do you see there happening with that center position? Because you know as much as the right guard is a problem, uh, Bradbury just hasn't been that much better. He might be good at calling the the protections or what have you, but I don't know if he's he's big enough to to hold off some of these big interior linemen either. So, you know, the the beauty of being a new coach uh, in your off season and you haven't played it down yet is, and I like I like O'Connell. He seems he's a intelligent guy. I think he he has a chance to be the answer. Quasi uh, has a chance to be the answer. But when you're in this period with them, you know, uh, you hear it a lot. Like, ah, uh, you know. We can figure out how we'll, we'll figure out how to get Kirk. You know, we'll get the most out of Kirk. We, we'll put him in situations where that'll that'll be best for Kirk. Uh, well, Bradbury, you know, um, it's scheme. You know, it's, we'll put him in positions that'll be best for him. So, you know, uh, those are words right now. You know, so to me, it's you got to see that. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying it won't happen. Not say, especially in the case of Kirk. I mean, this could be a real good transition from Zimmer to to a guy like this, but. He's got to prove it. It's it's all words right now. Um, you know, uh, Bradbury is uh, you know, a lot of times the things we saw with I saw with Bradbury was was just the physical limita- limitations. I don't you know just getting overwhelmed, just getting overpowered. Uh, and and for a guy that was picked in the first round, you just you don't want to see him get overpowered. Yeah. And okay. Schlotman, I mean Schlotman, it's it's it's, it's a reach to say that. that this guy who has very little experience uh, coming in is going to replace a Bradbury, but you know I think he's brought in you know, 
to push a little bit. Uh, and the other good, the, one of the good things is that Bradbury, Bradbury himself came out last year and so kind of caught us all off guard, just basically saying, "Hey, you know, I sucked. I, I, I've, I've, I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of thinking and whatever." And um, so he's not, he's not, he's aware that he needs to play better. They say the first uh, step to fixing the problem is recognizing it. So good, yeah. on, good on you, Garrett. Well, to recap that segment, Joe is going to wave the injury bug, and he's going to remain bullish on that offensive line. And for Mark, it's all word. Okay, it's all word, Mark. Okay, we'll be right back with our next segment uh, from Vikings Territory Breakdown. Uh, come on back. Okay, welcome back to Vikings Territory Breakdown. Joe Overly, Mark Craig, Mark Craig, and Joe Overly uh, talking it over here. Uh, Mark, you know, we started, we hit on Kurt Cousins a little bit. We can, we can talk about all these other things that we want to talk about, uh, new, new players on defense and new offensive linemen. And, and they're, they're all important, and they certainly are, but the number one position is the quarterbacks. And uh, you sent me a note saying, you know, it's it's uh, you're you're looking at the kind of tea leaves of what the Vikings have done so far and the positions they are backfilling that they're trying to fill and backfill. Um, and you're saying you're wondering what does that say about what they think about their quarterback position and what they've done so far? Do you want to you want to talk about that and what what you what you're seeing there and, and maybe uh, what the Vikings might even do in the draft at the quarterback position? Well, I, I think you know, once they decided to go, you know, triple down on Kirk and extend his contract and get his um, his cap number from forty five down to thirty one million dollars, um, was you know the competitive, super competitive rebuild. You know, to me that every move that they've made since then, from Daniil to you know bringing back Patrick Peterson to just kind of trying to run it back, you there's no way they take a quarterback. To go along with all those moves, now you got to you got to pick a guy that's going to help you this year. And I think that the top two picks are guys that could be starters or be major contributors in this this season. So that throws out the quarterback. You're not going to be picking a, a developmental quarterback or a guy that you're going to it's going to be your quarterback in two years. Um, to me, now it becomes: is there is there a quarterback in that starting maybe in the third round? Is there a quarterback that they maybe take? Um, I think you get, you know, if you get two starters or two, two contributors, then you maybe turn and, you know, I know they got Kellen Mond and I think if they take a quarterback in the third round, uh, which doesn't appear that there's anybody that's going to be left in this thin draft class. Uh, I was just looking at all the mock drafts. So not, you know, mock drafts now have to be seven rounds, Joe. I, you got to do like 20 of them and you got to have seven rounds. So uh, a, a Sam Howell, uh, six foot, 218 pounds from North Carolina could be a guy in the third round for you, Joe. How do I know that? Cause I went on sporting news.com uh, and that's who uh, he was somewhere around there. So uh, that's Mark. So that's, uh, so that's, you know, a, a guy that's, you know, obviously that that size, he's a, he's a dual type quarterback. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to develop, uh, although Drew Brees was uh, six foot, I think he did all right. Uh, uh, Russell Wilson was six feet, five eleven, third round pick. Uh, uh, I think he did all right in his career. Uh, but I think you you really got to start the way the what we've seen in the last two years with the quarterbacks being traded and you know teams giving up 
You know, now the Browns have given up three number ones for a guy who may be suspended. And just this, um, you know, the value of the quarterback and, and just constantly swinging whenever you, unless you have a guy that's it's on his rookie contract and you got him for the next 10, 15 years, you're, you got to be constantly looking at the draft as a cheap way of, you know, like uh, people could say like with the Packers, Jordan Love, you know, they blew it with Jordan Love, but Jordan Love will probably get traded at some point to a team that needs a quarterback that maybe, you know, valued him coming out of the draft and they get some, some value out of him. So I think you got to be swing, swing, swing on, on these quarterbacks. So maybe starting the third route, if there's anything there, well, I don't, doesn't appear there is, but uh, you know, you got to start thinking about a quarterback. Now, if they do take one in the third round, that kind of tells you that's when you, uh, we start seeing the cards of, of, uh, O'Connell uh, is on Kellen Mond. You know, what, what's their, what, how do they truly feel about Kellen Mond? If they don't like him, they're not going to say that. I, I don't feel I don't feel that they've said anything glowing about the guy. Um, you know, I, I know that he's he looked awful in the preseason. He, uh, from all reports, didn't practice that well, or at least early on. Um, but you know, there is there's some talent there. Uh, can they get something out of him? Is is he a quarterback of the future? Because um, they need to start identifying that, you know, pretty quick. You know that that's that that's uh, what I wanted to talk about. I I you know I think if if you don't if you're saying it's so thin at quarterback, I I, I don't think then you waste uh, another a third round pick on a camp body, which is basically what. Uh, Kellen Mond was back last year, unfortunately. I think you try to develop them and see if you got it, and then and then maybe try next year. Man, I, I'm all for that that idea that you got to keep taking swings and misses at the quarterback. I think you know a lot of the good teams do that until they, they eventually hit on one. But if if it's really not that deep, I would say you know you, you got a third round pick there that you'd try to. And and I don't know that he got the opportunity to really see what he was. You know, Zimmer knew what he had. He said it. You know, we all know that that famous quote. Um, but maybe this is a, court, a a quarterback whisperer that can can see if they can get something. They should at least take going to camp with him. He's going to be there and and see what they can do with him. Rather than I, I guess I would I would see that as as a waste of a pick. You know, at that high. You know, uh, there's somebody else you can get somewhere else. So I wouldn't do that. You want another guy who I would love to see him pick, and this will be my prognostication for next week is uh, I'd love to see him go out get a bargain basement price and grab Colin Kaepernick. Uh, you know, I can write in and yell at me. I, I just think it would be uh, uh, the way to go. I mean, then, then, you know, you, you have a little pressure on Kirk and you have, uh, you know, Kellen Mond isn't such a big deal. And you know, if, if you can get, if you can get him for the price of, uh, uh, of what they got Sean Mannion for, of course, Sean Mannion is, is, uh, Kirk's security blanket. He knows that he's never going to beat him out for the starting job. That's why Kirk likes him so much. Damn it! But uh, I, you know, I, I don't know why. And I, I don't know. There, there's all this speculation online that that's the reason why John Jim Harbaugh was not signed because he came in and start when and the second negotiation started pushing to to sign Colin Kaepernick. And they said, "See ya." I, I, I don't think that's true. No, I don't. I don't think that. Uh, if you get that one right, that's your mic drop. It's over. You, <laughs> <laughs> you retired the cup um, and you could have it forever. No, I, you know, I don't know. Um, and that's the other thing is, is 
if they were to take a quarterback, say they did take a quarterback in the first round, they surprised, they shocked the crap out of all of us. You know, it, then it becomes, you know, probably it's going to be a guy that they can mix in because they got Kirk, who's who's athletic, but you know, not the most mobile guy in the world. Um, you you have a you, you use that guy. I don't see. I don't think you take a Jordan Love or someone like that. You just sit him and he does nothing uh, for two years. It's maybe it's a guy that's. Uh, is a totally different skill set than, than a Kirk, and you 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 work him that way. You, maybe it's even a third round pick that they take um, that that fits that type of modern quarterback that you're seeing. You know, teams give up three number ones, and you know Russell Wilson is you know he's in his 30s now, but he's still a guy that can move around and elusive and and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. It, if you get the Kaepernick guess right, that's uh, then you, then you got something, Joe. <laughs> Do you think that uh, well, even we all know that the draft is a crapshoot uh, in quarterbacks? Or do you think it's or is it just uh, more of the same? Because you know, people maybe because they try more and it's more visibility, but uh, is 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 swinging and missing on a quarterback? Uh, is it is it as much of a crapshoot as as anybody else? And should you just be looking at how someone plays in the league and really trying to get them through free agency rather than wasting potential draft capital there? I don't know. Any thoughts there? Well, I mean, that, until recently, you know, quarterbacks, you know, didn't in their prime didn't change teams. I mean, like you know, Cohen Cousins came for that. Cousins was the first guy to get the, you know, the first guaranteed multi-year contract. I mean, guys weren't available, you know, at the top like that. Younger, that's one reason the Vikings went crazy and, and went after him for that kind of money, which now doesn't seem like a, well, it is a lot of money for, for the, for the guy, but um, yeah, I mean, like when you swing and miss at a, at a Christian Ponder on in the uh, 12th pick overall, those are big swings and misses, but it doesn't cost you a lot financially. It doesn't cost you a lot against your cap. It just costs you, you know, how many years it took of like, you know, three or four years where it's, it costs, you know, help cost uh, Leslie Frazier his job uh, where you're thinking he could be your guy. Like he'd still be your quarterback and he's just not going to be your quarterback. And then you got to start all over again. Um, you know, it's a little bit of extenuating circumstances. That was the year of the, of the lockout. And, you know, they didn't, they just didn't have. They just didn't have anybody in 2011. They just didn't have anybody at the position. Favre wasn't coming back. Um, Tavares Jackson moved on. Um, I think after that, they after the draft is when I think it was after the draft that they got uh, um, Donovan McNabb. So that was a whole like, oh my god, what are we going to do a quarterback situation? But I think yeah, in order to keep from being the team that has to. Um, you know, like like Denver. You know, how long does Den- Denver goes without a quarterback from uh, six years from Peyton Manning? You know, the very last they squeeze the very last bit they could out of Peyton Manning, and then it's six years of nothing. And then they finally have to do a blockbuster trade to get Russell yeah. Wilson. You know, the Browns they 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 what pick I, the guy. They pick a guy. The Browns pick a guy number one overall. They go to the playoffs, and he you know. Next year he doesn't play as well. They miss the playoffs, and now all of a sudden they make the the biggest trade of all, a blockbuster of all, with three number ones to get a guy who may be suspended. And there's going to be all kinds of back, you know, that controversy is just going to keep bubbling and bubbling. And hopefully by this start of the season it'll be it'll be over. Uh, but who knows? I mean, they could just keep going. It could just be a distraction 
forever. Uh, but and they've guaranteed this guy, you know, five years and two hundred and whatever it is, two hundred forty million dollars. So to keep from getting into those situations, I think you got to keep churning. You got to keep looking and churning and figuring out, you know, do, you know, the best way to do it is like the Colts did with Peyton Manning. You pick him number one. Uh, he plays and becomes a Hall of Famer. Then he, uh, you don't want him to break his neck, but he misses a year. You go back to the top of the draft. You pick Andrew Luck, and he plays. And if Andrew Luck, uh, you know, had, was more of a football guy, Andrew Luck would still be playing, but he retired. But it, the years that he played, he was outstanding. Uh, that's that's hard. Those that's the cheapest way to build a team. It's the cheapest way to to, to uh, put together a Super Bowl winner. Um, but a lot of teams got to keep doing it. You know, like with the Vikings, they, they've they don't pick number one overall. They don't pick in the top ten rare hardly at all. So you just got to keep looking and, and uh, always be have everything on the table when it comes to finding quarterbacks. Which brings us back to old number eight, the guy we got playing for the quarterback this year for the Vikings, Kirk Cousins. Do you believe uh, what you've heard thus far from uh, O'Connell and saying, you know, he's got experience with him and he likes what he sees in Kirk and they want him all the way and everything, even though – uh, do you think he's going to take Kirk to another level of production? I mean, even though Kirk, by nature, we know what he is, but he's a, a risk-averse passer. He's he's got great. He, he can throw it down the field very uh, accurately, and has done well. And he's got good receivers to throw to. But was it more Zimmer telling him not to throw interceptions, or was it Kirk, by his nature, being risk-averse and to say he's he's going to check down before he's going to throw it in and let his his decent receivers win a battle for him. Uh, do, do you think that kind of play will change, that we'll see an upgrade there in Kirk? And, and to such a degree that in two years, we're going to be uh, screaming for the Vikings to extend him again. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's he's he's 30. Come on, Mark, you got to have this answer. You Come on, man. I'm kidding. Is he 30, 31, 33? He's uh... – been in the league 10 years um, or however long it's been. He's been a starter forever. Um, these are the same things that, you know, that, that uh, you know, Jay Gruden was saying whenever he got fired. Uh, uh, and, and, and Washington wasn't extending his contract. And, and the same thing that Zimmer had to be talked into taking this on. He wasn't convinced that that could happen. Now, Zimmer and, and uh, O'Connell are, are, could not be more opposite, obviously. Uh, but that cost Zimmer his job, and it's probably it's Zimmer's biggest regret is that he was talked into 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 giving up basically his defense. I mean, obviously Spielman has final say, but they they talked Zimmer into this uh, begrudgingly, and you know, so Zimmer basically knew that he was going to be giving up his defense eventually for this guy to carry him. It got him fired. So here comes a new regime. You know, the third third one that. Head coach, it's going to be a Kirk's going to be have dealt with of uh, trying to get something out of him. Now, you know, I have my doubts. That, I mean, I'm, Kirk's a good quarterback. Uh, I, you know, can he be a great quarterback that equals what they're giving him salary cap wise? That's the big question. That's like, I'm not saying Kirk's a bad quarterback. Kirk proved in some of these games that, hey, you know, if everything go around him works. You know, he's gonna he can he can win you a game in overtime at Carolina. He can bring you back uh, against the Lions the first time and, and have that nice that, you know drive that you pay him to have. He just 
doesn't hasn't done it consistently enough. And he, there are just times where he disappears in games like the Dallas game, maybe uh, Baltimore, d- different games. So where there's hope, you know, for Vikings fans is that you could not be more opposite head coach than what you had before, what you have now. Is that good? And is that, is that enough? You know, we, there was a guy that was like determined to put his flag against the McVeigh way. And, we, you know, I remember sitting with Zimmer and that was kind of the gist of an interview that I did with him about how this old school defensive guy that what got his juices flowing was that he could prove that he could beat these young offensive guys. Well, you know, th- those young offensive guys got him fired. Um, he's out the door and he got replaced by one of them. And so now you have this guy coming in who is the McVay way, who's, who's coaches a totally different way, who's an offensive guy, who played the position, who's going to right off the bat have a better relationship with Kirk. He, he actually spent a year with Kirk. So um, if that gets more out of Kirk or it gets a more of an awareness and maybe less stubborn, maybe Zimmer will be more stubborn and like, hey, we got to do it this way. This is how we have to do it. Um, make sure he does it, whereas opposed to maybe this guy says, O'Connell says, well, hey, Kirk, you know, with his experience having played the position and being an offensive guy, a younger guy who can relate to him better, maybe he gets more out of him. I don't know. I, I, I like a lot of this stuff. I'll believe it when I see it. Well, I appreciate you. I just threw that one out there just to see what you had. You didn't You didn't know that was coming. But, you know, what does that tell us, Mark, about uh, – the way this league is when an old goat like Zimmer, who, you know, to a certain degree, you could look at it as hanging on to his last bit of pride saying, I'm going to beat those young bucks and I can do this. You know, I'm still from the old guard and I can, you know, and stuff that I know works. And to a certain extent, it did a lot of times. He's very successful at that. But what happens is he's gone and he's replaced by this younger guy who is this new way and this new way. you got a younger younger uh, personnel director in, in Quasi uh, or general manager. I, it, how many of those guys like Zimmer are still left? You mentioned that Ed, Ed Donatel is 65, but uh, it, it, there's really, you know, it, it's fewer and far between. It, did, did Lovey Smith just get rehired? He didn't he get a, a job this year. Yeah, he's uh, with the Texans, head coach of the Texans. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. It, it may be, it, 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 the, this is always inevitable. The league's going to change and and evolve and s- such. But that uh, Zimmer's way is, you know, not the way of dinosaurs. But th- it, this is this is kind of a sign going on with the league, if you ask me. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Belichick's done all right for himself. Uh, although yeah. now it's like three, as he has, now that he hasn't been in the playoffs for two years, it's now that he hasn't been in the playoffs for two years. You know, it's like, like get, get this guy out of here. Or Pete Carroll, you know. Um, um, yeah, it's – yeah, this is definitely uh, – the, the trend is the McVay way, the more – what we're seeing, to what we're seeing unfold here. Now, if this doesn't work, we're probably going to go back to the gruff defensive right. guy in five, six years or whatever it is. Um, I don't know if there's that, that cycle. But when Zimmer was, like, planting his flag against the young guy, he wanted to try and prove that he could be – creatively defensively stop this stuff um yeah but you know 
he couldn't do it, obviously, because uh, he said that about the time that um, LaFleur was coming in. LaFleur was a McVay guy coming into to Green Bay. Um, you know, LaFleur, yeah, LaFleur mops the floor with him when yeah. it comes to the, the division. Uh, then he goes out to Shanahan, was in that same mold, that same group of young offensive coaches. You know, Zimmer's last playoff game, they got destroyed in San Francisco. Yeah. And then he ultimately gets replaced by a McVeigh assistant. So it was kind of like the every, like I went back and did a story on this from what from the time we sat down and talked about that. I think he was like um, ten and four, or ten and ten and four, something like that. Whenever we sat down and talked about it, and then they sort of struggled at the end of the season, and then they he loses to Shanahan, and then he they had the the, the two years 20, 2020, 2021 where he just couldn't get his footing back because after 2019, he lost his defense. He lost his, his guys that, you know, they, they lost their window of opportunity defensively to win. And Kirk wasn't, you know, what they had hoped for as far as carrying a team. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be different. It's, it's, it's this, you know, it's, it's exciting to see this change in Minnesota, even though I, I liked Zimmer and I, I, you know, part of me grew up in that, that old school too. I mean, I'm, I'm not as old as Zimmer, but God, I'm close enough. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I, and I agree with you too, that uh, if this eventually enough teams will do this, that someone's going to start a new wave of reacting to this and, and really trying to figure out how to beat these new young bucks on offense. But the, the, the offense is the, the game is a real offensive game and, and uh, um, all the rules are in there to help it, so uh, it's got to be the way it's going. Yeah. And, and I think I think uh, it is exciting for Vikings fans because you know they've had they've had this other ways for so long. Now it's a totally different way. It's the offense. It's kind of what people have been. You know, they've gotten tired of the stale. You know, things being stale. Now here's your opportunity. Now my my thing would be: Are people going to have enough patience? I mean. Uh, Kevin O'Connell's never been a head coach before in his life. Kevin O'Connell, the only time he ever called plays was when uh, Jay Gruden got fired. So do people, I mean, this guy's not going to come in and be Sean McVay from the, from the first, from that, from kickoff in uh, week one of his first game. So there's going to, I mean, I don't care how things go. There's going to be a learning curve for this guy. And so people have to give him a little bit of patience. You know, there's going to, he's going to make, a dumb decision at the end of a game early in his career. He's going to, he's going to blow a, a, a fourth down call where everybody thinks he should have gone for it when, it, or maybe not gone for it. He'll probably go for everything you know, being in this new way, but there's going to be mistakes. He's, there's a learning curve. He's going to uh, do people have the patience for that. If it takes, you know, two years to, to get back to the playoffs and uh, we're, we're where will they be a year from now if they're eight and nine again? Is what will we be saying? People will be saying that they should have started rebuilding this year, and uh, so it's exciting. Uh, but people have to will have to have some patience with this guy, I believe. Well, uh, to sum up, then Joe says uh, Kirk is risk averse, and Mark says the Vikings fans are patient adverse. Adverse. So, um, I'm kidding. We haven't even played one round of golf. I'm already getting pencil whipped here. Um, yeah, well, I, I just wanted to ask you a couple more quick questions before you get out of here. And I, I you know, it seems like, uh, 
uh, we're watching one game kind of in this offseason here is watching the uh, bill going through the Minnesota's legislature. It's winning its way through past the third committee. So it's 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 going. There. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it's happening all over the country. I suspect, uh, you know, it, it, it could happen here. It's just uh, probably another way to uh, I'm sure if they can make it bring some revenue into the state, they'd love. But uh, what are your thoughts on uh, what are your thoughts on sports game, Mark? And uh, um, well, anything that anything you got there? I mean, what you know? I know you don't like losing to me in golf. But that's why we don't bet money, but uh, you know, for your sake. No, I'm just Let's put it this way: I know I'm not smart, Joe, but I'm smart enough not to get hooked on sports on betting on sports, um, especially the NFL. Uh, all of it. Base, uh, I wouldn't know how to bet on baseball, basketball. Uh, I, I don't, you know, hats off to the people that are um, into that and can can come out on top. I, you know, I would just see myself losing hard-earned money that uh, I don't want to I don't want to lose. So, I, you know, I, if it comes or it goes, I have no opinion whatsoever. It, if it's here, I'm not, it's not going to change. It's not going to make me want to bet on gambling. I'm sure if I wanted to bet on, if we wanted to bet on gambling, somehow we'd find a way. Um, I used to bet on the Super Bowl years and years ago, but I, you know, I haven't done that in years. Uh, zero interest in losing my money on on a uh, on an oblong ball bouncing the wrong way, or or the, the yeah. or the quarterback get you know uh, the quarterback getting hurt on the first play. Of the, or, like say you you pick the Packers in whatever year that was when Anthony Barr. Breaks the guy's uh, collarbone, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, how would you feel about that one going forward? The next three and a half quarters, if you bet like a thousand dollars on that game, so I want no part of it. I uh, I, I only bet on the coin flip in the Super Bowl because that's fifty fifty chance, and I can live or die with that. You know, I I, I grew up playing poker as a kid, penny ante poker, and I remember playing a game of in between where you get two cards and the next one's got to be in between. I had ace king, so I went the pot. And there was, and I, there was 99 pennies in there and I got a King. So I, I got busted. I was, I have refused to play that game ever since. And my, my, my gambling days have kind of waned since then because a, I don't like losing. And when I get penalized money on top of it, it makes me even more mad. So it's like, where's the fun in this, you know, but my, my, my first bet that I ever made in my life, and I remember this. I remember the house I was at, Super Bowl seven. So I'm seven years old. I took the Redskins over the Miami Dolphins only because my uncle said I had no idea. I, I, I was out in the backyard running around. I, I probably didn't even know. You know, at that point, I, I remember watching football, but not really knowing a whole lot about it and or just paying a lot. Of, you couldn't have got me to sit still for three hours and watch a football game. So and I, I was wasn't on a cell phone or on, I wasn't on Twitter. I was uh, not TikTok. I was just out playing, jumping around, Joe. And uh, he said, I'll take the Dolphins. I said, all right, who are they playing? I'll take the, you got the Redskins. So I took the Redskins and I lost 50 cents. But I, you know, I, I come to think of it, I got talked into taking the Redskins yeah. against an undefeated team. It's it's a fool's errand. I mean, you can you know you'd think with with us who have got our nose in the in the NFL and the Vikings every week that we would have some kind of insight to you know uh, 
come out on top over a season, you know, of doing it. But there's too, just too much, too many odd bounces, like you said, too many injuries, too many weird things that happen that uh, that that could just uh, kick you off. But, well, let's let's put it this way: yeah, uh, uh, you and I, I think you're still involved in this survivor pool that we're involved in. Um, there's like close to five thousand people in this one survivor pool, forty-two hundred, whatever it is. And all you got to do is pick a winner. All you got to do is pick a winner to move on. And by, you know, week four, it's generally, it goes from like 5,000 down to like 1,200. And then by the end of the year, every year, there's like four or five people going for in week, which will now would be 18. Uh, and in order to end it, to, uh, I think at the last two weeks, you have to pick two games. Well, you know, I've, I've made it, uh, I don't think I've made it past week 13. With I've have like I'll take four picks, and then you you know ultimately use like one or two in the first week, and then you're hanging on toward the end, and that's that has nothing to do with point spread either. That's just yeah. picking a winner, and uh, you know so like games like say um, the Colts and the Jaguars again last year. I mean, what was the spread? Eighteen points or whatever it was, <laughs> and it's like of course the Jag of course the Colts are going to win. They're, they're playing for their playoff spot, and the Jaguars beat them, and it's so. Now, that's just picking a winner without point spreads. Yeah, you, you, know, can't, you can't pick the same team every week. I mean, you got to pick. Yeah, all. you can't do that. Yeah, you can't do that. That I mean, that definitely makes it harder. But still, there, there's enough games. I think if you if you take enough, uh, give yourself enough entries. I think, uh, but that to me is hard enough. When you start putting in the point spreads, and that to me is just so uh, ludicrous to 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 yeah. wait to put money on because they're just. The teams aren't aren't separated enough, you know, to for you to say, well, this team's going to blow out that team. Period. That's the point right there. They're not separated. I've made it past week three once, and last year my my picks didn't go because of some technical glitch, and I was just happy that I wasn't even in the pool. Anyway, and, and the one the one year, I, yeah, I, I warned you for for a month. The year that the, the Browns were going to go to the, everybody everybody in the world said the Browns were going to the Super Bowl. Browns are going to the Super Bowl, and they opened with Tennessee at home. And I said, Joe, stay away from it. The I more didn't... people pump the Browns up, the worse this game, they're going to get blown out. They're going to the Super Bowl. They can win one game opening weekend at home, the dogs. And they got, and they got blown out by Tennessee, like 33 to 13. And I said, Joe. And I'm going to live a year longer because I was already out of it after week one. So, uh, yeah. One final question. Card, uh, it's Masters week, as we said earlier, uh, 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 a tradition like unlike any other, right? And uh, Tiger's playing. Uh, Mark, who you betting on? <laughs> well, I, not Tiger. Um, we used to do we when I I covered like the I covered the Tiger Slam the next year when he won again. I covered three Masters, and each time we'd be down there, we'd have a Masters pool. This is kind of betting that I do, like the Master pools and stuff like that, but not straight up. Um, but Tiger would always be thrown out because it was like, uh, if you got Tiger, you, you won the pool. You know, so it was like, uh, we have a, we'd have a master's pool, but Tiger would be thrown out. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, my head says, no, Ed, there's no way this guy can contend, but you know, my, my, uh, my experience says that my head could be wrong because he's at, he's at the one place that he could contend, I think, uh, you know, in the Masters field, it's, it's it's tough, but it's there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, Larry Mises and the Ian Woosnams and, 
you know, a lot of guys in there that have no chance. They're just there as ceremonial yeah. players. There's a lot of young amateurs that are there just uh, for the experience, uh, international players that are just there for the, to round things out. And so it's probably, of all the majors, it's the one where the, I think it's the narrowest, like the fewest amount of guys could win. Yeah, it is. Yep. Um, so, but I still, I mean, it'll just be fun to watch him, you know, I mean, a year ago we were, yeah, right. He's got a, yeah, he's got to walk the course. And that and that's like I mean, people it doesn't come across on TV just the elevation changes in that yeah. course. Uh, so that you know, if he makes a cut, that would be a, 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 a fantastic feat, I would think. I would agree with you, I, and I don't, I'm not sure that he's going to. I mean, he's he's got I don't know exactly what his injuries were, but he basically has the leg put back together, somewhat similar to Teddy Bridgewater, I suppose. And you know, walking that course, it is really hilly. And everybody's always said that, you know, you, it, and you and I've been there and it, you know what it's like. And uh, that's, that's tough for four days, two days, much less four. So I don't know. I, I'm glad he's playing, you know, there's no full this year. So it, it brings, it brings some excitement in there and certainly gives the talking head something to talk about. But I'm, I'm thinking, you know, first tournament back, it's going to be tough for him and he might not make the cut. I don't think so. I don't think he will, but you know, Anyway, Mark thinks he's going to win it. Now I got to miss missing the cut, though. So there we go on that. But anyway, thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll be back next week to re recap the Masters. Wait, wait. I mean, uh, uh, well, actually, we'll start looking ahead to the draft, which is coming up on the 28th of April, and we'll start seeing zeroing in on what we think the Vikings are going to do uh, with their 12th pick and the rest of it. And uh, but in the meantime, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mike Walden behind the scenes and. Uh, uh, we'll see you next week, and until then, skull. <laughs>